This episode of AV Plus has a very interesting sponsor that I'm really excited to tell you about because something we try to be for the AV community is a sort of business handbook. Because the trouble is that running a business is a really detailed, exhausting task, and integrators already have enough to deal with in terms of technicalities. X10AV is our sponsor this week. They're the world's first AI-powered AV design platform that aims to automate all of that tedious documentation that usually has to be done manually. I asked Vib Singh and Sahil Dingra, the co-founders of X10, to tell me more about what users can expect from their software at ISE 2020 and in general this year. The biggest of all is our new path-breaking drawing editing tool, which we're calling XDraw. This will be a drawing tool similar to like a Microsoft Visio or AutoCAD, but with all the AV functionality. Users will be able to search products from our database, and we will draw the block for these in the drawing tool, and then user can connect them the way they want. Also, users will be able to create their own product blocks on the spot without having to wait for us to create the blocks for them. So our Infocom Orlando last year, we had jaw-dropping faces that we saw at our booth. We were first-time exhibitors, and in three days, we had about 500 unique visitors. We were just like flooded, and we expect similar kind of response at ISC. So we hope you'll check out X10AV at Integrated Systems Europe next month. They'll be in booth 7N190. And if you're not going to the show, you can find them at x10av.com. That's x-t-e-n-a-v.com. Okay, so today on AV Plus, I am really lucky to be joined by some of the really awesome AV industry thought leaders to talk about ISE 2020. We have Alicia Henley, someone we've recognized before on Commercial Integrator, on our list of young pro-AV leaders on Twitter. She has perfected the art of bridging social media and technology on an attempt to reach the next generation of AV tweets. Alicia, welcome to AV Plus. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me, Adam. I appreciate it. Um, you guys are no strangers to me, so it's always fun to hang out with you. Thank you. And then we are also joined by uh, Katie Bennett, the CEO of KMB Communications and one of the coolest publicists, not only in the AV world, but also in all of PR. Katie, welcome. <laughs> ah, I love that intro. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't expect to have you know, any hot air today, did you? No, I did not. And okay. I'm now uh, bowing in your general direction. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, so I, I wanted to invite you both to the show to talk about Integrated Systems Europe because I think we will all be there this year, but we've also discovered kind of interestingly in a coincidence that, you know, Katie, you've been to this show more times than you can count. Uh, for me, this will be like my third ISE, and then this is your first time, Alicia. So I just thought this would be, you know, a valuable set of perspectives heading into such a large, you know, important trade event for the industry. So um Today, I wanted to talk about getting the most out of the trade show, right? Like where to go around Amsterdam if you find yourself with like a mere moment of free time, uh, especially since it's the last ISC in that city and much more. Um, but let's start out with, with this. Alicia, like we said, it's your first ISC this year, but you have been to other large trade events like Infocom. What are you doing to get ready for the show? And how do you think that our audience should prep if they've never gone? So that's that's a that's a large question in itself. But I've really been um, checking out the show floor map. Um, I even do that with Infocom. Like these shows are so big. Um, there's so many appointments back to back. Um, I hate having to go from one side of the convention center to the other. And I'm not very good at maps. 
um, I grew up in an era where I could just either map quest something and it tells me directions or now I could just use my GPS. So going to these shows, um, I kind of get turned backwards. So the first thing I always do is check out the map, um, make sure I know where my target um, exhibitors are going to be or target events like the main stage. Um, and I work around that. And then I sectorize it out into, um, let's say, digital signage. And then I'll see audio one day. And I try to do it like that because um, I've never seen all of the show floor, whether it was Infocom, um, DSE. Uh, so I know I'm definitely not going to see, uh, see the whole show floor at ISE. But, um, Good to you see know, that your expectations are set. <laughs> set yeah, actually. It, it, I, I can, <laughs> Good luck. I, I can't wrap my mind around Infocom show floor. So I know uh, over in Amsterdam, this is going to be like Infocom on steroids. So I'm really trying to go into it with a strategic plan on um, where to be at certain times and, you know, space it out based off of uh, pavilions and technology type thing. So, so Katie, you've been how many times now in your life? Yeah, yeah. So um, it's it's actually kind of a bit of a mystery here too. If I were to take the time to go and look, I think it's seven years at this point, seven or eight years. Um, and seven years, um, like twenty five thousand miles walked. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. You know, if I if the uh, if the Apple Watch went that far back, I can only imagine how many rings we we close on a regular basis. But um, <laughs> step wise, it's unbelievable. I mean, it's fifteen halls, and it's and just kind of like fifteen halls i mean <laughs> they're not small halls and they're not small halls and they're not necessarily um connected directly to each other so um it's it's a it's a marathon and you kind of you kind of want to train for it a little bit um which we all kind of say you know like we're going into trade shows like okay what you know what do you recommend okay like, you know comfortable shoes drink lots of water you know make your plan ahead of time those are all uh, that's all good but here it's and adam i'm gonna pull you into this into your own podcast um let's talk about the organizing of which halls you visit on what day yeah <laughs> yeah because yeah, trying so, to go to a mall on a, or, or or toss them up and and try to try to hit a couple in a day not gonna happen <laughs> no not at all yeah that's something that that you're alluding to here that i i uh i shared one of my secret tips and it's not really that secret and it should be common sense i would hope but uh it's really just me saying okay i'm gonna hit up these halls on these days, you know, like I'm going to split up hall seven and one, and I think it's five or 11 or something. Those halls are kind of grouped in the same general vicinity of each other. So I'm yeah. going to hit those up at least, you know, that day, or if it's like a situation where I have a lot of people to see in that time frame, then uh, I'll make sure to add additional halls as necessary. But yeah, trying to like split up your days via geographical section of the Rye Exhibition Center is definitely a smart idea. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So going down the right path. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, it is. And what's kind of what's cool about it is that the different halls are um, they really do the best of organizing the halls based on the subject matter or the the technologies or products contained therein. So Alicia, like a great plan for you to be looking at it from an application or a vertical standpoint and knocking off, you know, kind of making your tour schedule accordingly. Um, mm -hmm. I'll warn you if you get over into the UCC area, um, take a very close look at your map and just make sure that before you leave that hall, you are going in the direction you intended to. Um, um, I've gotten so lost over in that corner. I want to say that's like 11, <laughs> I think, not looking at the map. Um, but there are uh, uh, a, little, a little pro tip is that it can be really easy to make a wrong turn. And it'll take you about nine or 10 minutes to make the full loop if you're walking really booking and I've got long legs. Um, 
so it, it can be done, but it's also about two miles, it seems like. So. <laughs> yeah, you, you definitely don't want to get lost in the corner where Game of Thrones was filmed. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, I mean, but thinking back on, you know, how many years you've been now, Katie, like, do you have any tips for people who, you know, for, uh, well, Alicia was telling me before we started recording that, like, this is her first time to that area of the world. So, like, yeah. Thinking about this as like a really big investment of time and energy to get from, you know, the United States, Canada, anywhere else, basically to, to, to Europe, crossing an ocean, crossing continents, whatever. Um, what are some of the logistically like travel tips or just tips in for Amsterdam in, in particular that, that you've sort of forged, if you will. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. So, okay, so I've got, I've got a few and some of these are unique to Katie and I'm going to give you a little travel hack at the end here too, just because it's fun. Um, but a couple of things. So when you, if you're coming and going from Schiphol, which is the, the airport there in Amsterdam, the like many airports, yep, Schiphol. Um, and I think it, you know, it's, there's a in there too. Um, so when you're coming and going from Schiphol, um, as, as you're leaving, just pay really close attention to the signs as you're leaving the building. But as usual, you're going to get approached by drivers that are trying to get you to jump in their car versus somebody else's right off the bat. Those, as usual, unlicensed, not a little sketchy. Personally, I wouldn't do it. Keep going. You'll get to um, the regular drivers, the taxi drivers, Uber's great. Um, and you'll very likely get into a Tesla, which is pretty cool. Um, but the, the taxi drivers are all amazing and just really, really well, you know, very professional. Um, credit card is not pr typical. So don't go expecting to be able to use your credit card everywhere and in cars and what have you. If you need that or require, you might want to call and schedule your travel ahead of time and just make sure that the driver can take a credit card. That's gotten a little bit better over the last few years, but I have gotten into the situation where it's like, well, I don't have any cash, <laughs> you know, and that's a little awkward. Um, but generally speaking, that's, that's kind of the easy thing. Hotels, the, the trains, all of that is, it, Amsterdam's just really easy to navigate. Um, I'm not a train person, so uh, I really can't give you any direct tips there other than I've been on and off them with other people have helped me navigate and it is super easy. Um, the trains typically are on time. Um, a lot of people take the train to and from the Rye um, or a bicycle. That's a big thing. If you haven't been to Amsterdam and you don't know that it is a bicycle town, it's a massive bicycle town. This is the off season, so you'll only see about a quarter of the bikes there as you typically do in the summertime. And when you go or when you take a look at pictures, just kind of remember that. So there's only about a quarter of the bikes that they have in the summertime. It's mind-blowing how many bicycles are there. Um, and that's, that kind of leads me to my next point. is as you're navigating the city, particularly on foot, there are a ton of bicycles there and they move and they're not really looking out or paying attention for the pedestrians. They are, but they're expecting that you're looking for them and that you're going to get out of the way. So watch out and get out of the way because they're not going to stop. <laughs> People haven't plowed over. It happens. Um, but the way that traffic moves there is really dynamic. So just if you're traveling by foot, you know, look up, be, be, be alert. Um, and just remember that there's a, there's a uh, pathway for the pedestrians. There's a pathway for the little mini cars and the scooters. There is the tram line and there is the vehicle line and you have to navigate all of that sometimes that's like five or six lanes both directions it can be hair raising um i had somebody go at one point oh my gosh it's so stressful just to cross the street in amsterdam and it can be <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm super i'm i'm super prepared for that um so when i heard about the bicycles like i i put into youtube bikes in amsterdam and there's like a bunch of mashup videos of people like getting ran over by bikes. Like it's not funny because some people yeah, are like happens. getting seriously hurt. Jacked and then up, like yeah. the next day I had a dream that I was one of those people getting ran over by the bikes. And I was like, this is going to be a nightmare. 
can you just imagine my little body getting ran over by a bicycle? So I'm trying, I'm going to make sure, I'm going to be very aware of that when crossing the streets. <laughs> Alicia, <laughs> usually people tell you to chase your dreams, but I don't think that's really yeah, relevant absolutely here. Not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't chase, don't chase that dream. Don't chase that dream. No, people do get hit by, by bicycles all the time. Um, likewise, bicycles are getting hit by cars and trams. So it's just mm -hmm. that point that I made about, you know, it's dynamic traffic situation is it just is and it flows really well and it's really quite an art to sit back and just watch how well traffic moves there. If we could do that in the U S it'd be a whole different society here. Um, that's just my PSA. So um, and I really all right. don't want to hear this whole excuse about like one half of the United States being like a neat grid system. Cause there's no neat grids in Europe and they, <laughs> and parts of that yeah. area get along just fine. Yeah. You know what it is, is I think that it's a, it's a, it's a very diverse community, but it's a very acceptant community and they're so they're just sort of they're very used to to life flowing together and moving quickly um and and drivers tend to look ahead and they look five cars ahead and and two cars back at the same time and it, they just they're used to they're used to living that way so if we go over and sort of fold into that kind of mentality um you know we can we, we get there as well so and and that's a something something to note too like everybody speaks perfect English there for people who've never been yeah. to you know this part of Europe I mean I, I understand maybe going to Europe you might feel a little intimidated like do I have to learn a language do I have to learn some 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 things to say no I mean not nope. not in my experience how about how about you Katie no no not at all English is very much predominant language um, you know as are pretty much any of the languages that you hear or speak in, in uh, across Europe but everything is in is in US dollars as well so it's really easy it's really easy to navigate and um, Alicia this was my my fear as well going over there I haven't done a lot of extensive international travel and I was um, and I tend to have a high level of neuroses anyways I'm already freaking out about Barcelona but that's a different different nightmare for a different podcast yeah. um, but you know it's it's really really easy and and the dutch are so friendly it's you know and it's kind of one of those the friendlier that you are you so you'll do great the friendlier you are the friendlier they are um and honestly over the last few years my husband and i we business partners we travel together we have made some of the closest friends that we have are are dutch and live there and we're gonna be very heartbroken to not see them next year <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but it's just it's 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 a really really special place and culturally it's amazing it's very diverse um, check out the museums if uh, if that's your thing there's a ton of them so sort of whatever wherever your interest lies whether it's history landscape you know photography burlesque whatever you name it there's a museum for it um, and it and there's a there's a website for that um, Adam, you and I actually missed, but the boat tours, um, the canal tours are awesome. And oh, if you can yeah. grab one at night, it's, Amsterdam is just a gorgeous city. It's just, it's, it's beautifully Gothic and, and just, you, you look, you look up and look down all times, um, and, and feel welcome to look into windows there. Um, they keep them open for a reason as, as the tour guides will tell you is that they're very proud of their homes and they want you to look in and, and enjoy what they have and, and just sort of appreciate that. So you take a boat a canal tour at night, you can hop on, hop off, go grab a bite to dinner, you know, whatever, jump back on the boat. It's awesome. Yeah, I feel like all of the things that I'm looking forward to doing, the limited amount that I can do outside of going to the Trade Center, um, is all they all revolve around food, of course. I mean, oh, of course. So here's the thing about Amsterdam is that there's a lot of Indonesian food there. And this is not food that unless you live in, you know, New York City, you can really get in the United States. So you, they're just 
not too many Indonesian food, you know, restaurants in, you know, stateside and definitely uh, few to be found in places like Canada. So, you know, this is a really good opportunity if you're a fan of Pan-Asian cuisine to check out maybe one that you haven't already had. And it just so happens that there's a place across the street from the Rye that I have been frequenting every year since the first year I went because it's just so good. And it's called Jago, D-J-A-G-O. And I hope to see many AB Tweeps blowing that place up and giving them all the business because they deserve it. That's awesome. That's what awesome. Kind of what kind of food do they serve? Is it just all Indonesian food or is, there, is it a mixture? Well, so the place that I reference, Jago is, uh, is all Indonesian food. Um, but I noticed that while I was there in previous years that there are a number of establishments that offer sort of like a mix of, you know, um, Indonesian with uh, some like pan island uh, Hawaiian yeah. reaching over that that far uh, that far east from them, uh, kind of a mixture of things really. But, but you know that's the thing about Amsterdam is that it's a very multicultural place. Any kind of food that you would want, you can find there. But I just recommend to anybody who's never had the chance to try Indonesian food and maybe you know can handle a little bit of spiciness would probably enjoy uh, Indonesian food. Um, and that's just not something you can really find very often in the United States. Right. Uh, I, I, another thing I would recommend uh, just in general is get French fries while you're there. I know that's sort of a weird <laughs> thing to say, but yes. the Dutch love French fries. And there are a couple of places uh, throughout the city that offer, I mean, several. Okay. So picture this several different types of French fries with 20, like three, 25 different dipping sauces, all made in house. And it's amazing. And you'll see lines like going down half the block to get this, these kinds of, you know, little sides. The frites. The frites. You got to have the frites. <laughs> yeah, that's the number one thing I've been getting. I've been asking like all the foodie AV tweeps like, hey, you've been to Amsterdam, send me your list. And then we'll incorporate it in, in the content while we're over there. And, oh, that's awesome. You know, the number one thing is fry places like the number one <laughs> places on the list are all fry places it's like is there not anything else here but fries so but i, I, mean, I am looking forward <laughs> to the fries so but i i definitely could tell that people love fries in amsterdam absolutely uh, so you know we should we should do it we should go and get a meal somewhere and do it do a do a recording from or afterwards but um because it's funny how food connects us and uh so quick call out so alicia the av hashtag av foodies um make sure and tag that we stirred that up right after infocom last year and, it, and i know you've been in on that too and i totally forgot about it of late but kmb always does a food blog before each trade show and we'll start promoting that in about another week week and a half or so um so you just reminded me about that but um there's some really good spots on that one. My One of my personal faves is an Indian restaurant called Mayur, M-A-Y-U-R. Um, and it's over by the museum district. Um, if any of you that are familiar with that, if you stay, if, it, if anyone stays over at the Marriott, you're very familiar with it. It's right around the corner. Um, and that place is fantastic. They've gotten so busy over the years now that it's almost a reservation required, but um, family owned and just really, really, really good food. And the spice level to Adam's point, you can always tell them to, to increase or decrease it. Um, uh, we're a solid three, no matter where we go. Three, three, and I like a little spice, but a three seems to be the universal thing that works for Katie's spice level. So there's there's a rack there. <laughs> uh, I, I guess another kind of food recommendation, but also I guess sort of a historical one. Um, 
is the idea of going to an automat. I don't know if either of you are familiar with an automat, but it's something that used to be a big thing in the United States in like the 50s, but has really fallen out of favor. It's essentially uh, an establishment where you go in and there are windows and you, I mean, in the 50s, you could just pay in little, you know, little quarters or whatever, but um, obviously that's not the case anymore. <laughs> but yeah, you, you just pop your payment and then open up the window and then there's a, a freshly made plate of food of your choosing waiting for you in that window. And there's a kitchen right behind all the windows. So, you know, it's like, it's, it's all being made like pretty immediately, but uh, yeah, it's a fascinating uh, type of restaurant that, that used to be really all the rage in the United States many, many years ago, but apparently the Dutch love them and they're all over the place in Amsterdam. So if you can find one, I, I think it's kind of kitschy, but kind of cool too, and it, probably it worth is. checking out if you're interested in that kind of thing. No, it to it totally is, and I'm so glad that you. So now, so you now you give me the the type the automat. I never knew that's what this this uh, type of cuisine was called. Um, that makes it sound much more swanky than it than what it is. If I were to try to have described it, um, but it is super cool. And Fibo, F E B O, that's what you want to look for. Fibo is awesome. Our Dutch friend uh, it, over there introduced us to it, and we were like because you just put the coin in here and food comes out and you're telling me it's good. Okay. And, and it, it was like, no, 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 just trust me, trust me, trust me. And he's a waiter at a high-end steakhouse. So he's like, trust me, would I, <laughs> would, would I take you somewhere? That was awful. And it was amazing. They're like little, um, I, what's really popular in the FIBO are um, croquettes, you know, and like little, little crispy, crunchy, little sandwichy thingies with you know, little meats or cheeses on the inside. Um, have those with a beer and you're, you're pretty much good. I definitely gonna have to check that out because I've always seen videos of those uh, styled restaurants like yeah. um, somewhere overseas. I didn't know that they actually had them in the U.S. at one point, so that was a that's a fun fact, Adam. Yeah, totally. I definitely gotta make a make it over there. Uh, yeah, it's it's a really cool thing and really worth uh, your time if you can you know find the time to pop into a little random joint that has all these windows in it. Um, yeah, so I guess anything else that either of you are really just. Uh, like stoked on anything that's kind of occupying your mind that you're just like, okay, I, I have to see this when I'm there. I have to do this when I'm there. I have to see this booth when I'm there, even getting a little bit back to the, the show here. Um, <laughs> is there anything else that, that, that either of you are just really looking forward to? Katie? No, I didn't either. I was like, okay, which one do you, so Adam, you're going to have to edit all of this, all, all this out. I, so Alicia, oh, edit I, out I, the, the, like, the, the breath that you took that probably <laughs> was like filling up a balloon. Like I, I, as soon as I asked that question, I was just like, I know Katie's going to hop on this. Yeah, I, I yeah but I didn't want to. So I held back. <laughs> you probably like damaged your lungs by like how abruptly you stop yourself. Well done. <laughs> Sorry. I, did I inhale the microphone? I tend to no, no, no. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean. so, all right so um i can lead lucia you can chase right or, or you can lead and i can chase totally. uh, I'll, I'll lead so okay. i think one thing that i'm absolutely mostly excited about um at ic is the the main stage um because even like at infocom main stage is just a central location you can sit you can have meetings um there's a lot of um events going on there like the diversity events going to happen um the women's event is going to happen there. And then a lot of my close friends are actually moderating um, on that stage. So I think that's going to be a good meetup spot. Um, so that's what I'm looking forward to the absolute most on the show floor, because I'm really here to network and connect with people um, that I only know on Twitter or that, I, you know, I've only conversated with online. So I think um, main stage is going to be a great place to meet 
um, some of those tweets that I haven't met in person yet. And then um, I'm really excited about the digital signage um, space. Um, I'm collaborating with Premier Mounts on this trip. Um, we're creating some really fun content and videos. Um, I'll also be taking over their social media um, while there. So a lot of content that I push out will be directly from um, Premier Mounts platforms. So digital signage is definitely going to be a focus. Everybody knows how much I love digital signage. So I'm really um, interested to see how it, it differ differentiates um, overseas versus, versus, you know, how it is um, here in the States. So digital signage is going to be a forefront of what I'm excited to see and cover and main stage and just connecting with people that I haven't met in person yet, for sure. Yeah. Good, 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 good call on that Ed, with main stage, especially here, because there's so much going on. And, and yeah. what's cool about ISC is because it being a joint venture with Avixa, um, yeah. Infocom, Cedia, um, and it's a kind of a blend of residential and commercial and everything in between and on the fringe. Um, and that's kind of all is all's happening at the main stage. So great, great, great call on that one. Um, I'll be there as well in and out. Um, I, I always enjoy the keynote and the reception, especially at ISC. And I think maybe because there is an international flair to it. And, um, but you know, it's, it's like keynotes and receptions at other shows, but this one, I think because it's the kickoff sort of to the year. Um, and it just sort of seems like everyone's just really, you know, sort of like gung ho to get, to get, to get going. Yeah. Um, so just, you know, it's, from a vibe perspective it's always just got a really it's just got a fun vibe so um but this one's with former disney executive did duncan wardle um and i just think he's going to be I, I just think it's going to be fascinating yeah and, that should and, be really awesome yes yeah so i'm excited about that from the show perspective you know i i i kind of go dual role so i've got my pr clients there but then also um trying to capture some for podcasting as well so we kind of we kind of split our time but um during during the day, I kind of I kind of stay to the to the halls where we've got exhibitors. So we've got one, seven, and five, I believe, which is great. Those are all right in the same spot, um, which brings me to my point. Hall one is you just gotta cruise through hall one, and it's one of my favorite things to do on the mornings. Definitely of day one and day two. This is where a lot of the bigger display booths are, but this also they also put a lot of time and resource and money into their booth presentations. So there's always some really cool projection mapping going on over there. Some pretty cool uh, mixed reality and just, you know, just kind of fun booth stuff. So Alicia, especially for you on the content capture side. Yeah. Yeah. Swing, swing through there in the morning. Um, the ribbon cutting is always really cool too. And it's just, you know, cause you sort of get to see the, the masses flooding in and, and that's where you really realize damn, this is a huge show. I mean, it's, there's 40,000 plus there on the first day. And again, on the second day around about that, at least that's what, about what it was last year. And that's 40,000 people. That's a lot. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of fun to sort of feel the show, you know, sort of everything just build up and then, and then just explode into the, into the halls from there. So yeah. those are just some of the things that I always really enjoy. Obviously, you know, there's, there's so much to, to, to take in, but um, you can definitely, you can definitely get lost, but that's what the plan yeah, comes you mentioned in. you mentioned projection mapping too. That's another thing I'm really excited about. I think that might have been the first thing I tweeted about because um they don't they uh do projection mapping onto the actual um onto the ride like at they night. Have, yeah, you know they have in years past. And what's interesting is I haven't that hasn't popped up on my radar, which that's not super shocking just because my my radar has been filled with PR content for the last two weeks. But um but yeah, they've been doing some really, really cool stuff with projection mapping over there. And, um, I'm very excited about that because usually I just like have people on the podcast and we talk about the projects um for the um Digital Signage Expo podcast. And I just have all these people coming on talking about like the cool projection mapping that they've done, whether it's in Chicago and Paris. And I've never actually seen 
projection mapping of this large, like of this large of a scale. So it's going to be really, really exciting. I, I hope I like get like goosebumps and watch it outside <laughs> and just, you know, you, you know, will. geek out for a little bit. It's going to be yeah. awesome. No, you will. And so in the course of this conversation, I just checked and yes, they are doing it. It's outside the, the Rye yeah. and that, that tower is called the Elysium and it's E-L-I-C-I-U-M. So if everyone, if you're wondering how to say it, it's the Elysium. That's how you I say it. I can't wait. I get yeah. it Monday night. So I'm going to check it out Monday night. Yeah, super um, cool. I'm going to run it all week though. So I'm, I'm probably going to go back as much as I can, but to, kept, to be there the first night when it goes live, I'm going to be like, yeah. 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 I'm be like a huge fan I was screaming my head off. <laughs> I was just go. gonna say, Alicia, you'll get goosebumps from yeah. the uh, from from the projection mapping, but you'll also get goosebumps because it's gonna be really cold. So please yeah. bring a lot of warm gear. Like I'm not kidding. I mean, I'm the type of person who definitely thinks that anything 62 or below is really chilly. Yeah. But like, it's well below there. So definitely bring <laughs> some warm gear. So what You're gonna be standing outside staring like- at buildings all night. Are we talking like low 20s, 30s? This was one thing that I was worried about. So I live in Texas. So I went out and like bought all these winter coats that I'm probably not ever going to wear again. But <laughs> so I brought like five winter coats because I'm really excited to have my winter apparel on um, since I don't get to do that a lot. So the AV fashion <laughs> is going to be on point and it's going to have like all the pea coats. But what are we talking about like temperature wise? Are we talking like 20 degrees, 30 degrees? What is What are we actually... I'm going to experience when it comes to the cold because everybody's like wrap up, you know? So I I can answer that in, in the two words that I think if you are from the Northern part of the country that I am, uh, you are more likely to hear from weather, weather folks. And that is the term feels like, right? So it's 29, but it feels like 16. You know what I mean? Like it's not, it's not great, uh, in my opinion. I mean, I, look again. I'm thin-skinned with this with this cold stuff. Like, I I don't handle cold well, uh, and I wish I lived in your neck of the woods. But uh, for me, I've noticed twenties, thirties. So you are kind of right on. But at night, it can dip a little bit. You know, it's it's a canal-based uh, city. So I mean, with all that water, with all of its proximity to water, you're going to get some some chilly nights. So just yeah, you know, if you're if you're standing. Like I said, if you're standing outside at night, staring at the projection mapping, just have a hat, have some, have some gloves, have those pea coats on in full force. I've yeah. got everything. I've got, I've got thermal socks. Oh I've my got, God. I've got gloves. <laughs> I've got like, I told you five different coats. I'm definitely going to have the beanies <laughs> and the scarves going on. So Good. I'm fully prepared on that front. Yeah, no, you're, you're totally prepared. And, and Adam is, Adam's totally spot on in our experience. So I used to live in Seattle as well. Um, Amsterdam and Seattle are really similar. Mm. Um, it's Amsterdam's about 10 or 15 degrees colder. Feels like it, about 10 or 15 degrees colder. So right now, I mean, there it's actually pretty warm and, and mild there. It's in the high 40s during the day and the low, mid low 30s at night, um, mm. which is it, is actually pretty mild. But we'll, to us, it'll feel cooler. It's also a coastal community, so it's it's a wet cold. It's cold. Um, I live in a northern climate. It's a dry cold here. I it's cold for us there at those temperatures but it's kind of just layer up and you know you can do a coat check at the rye and you know that's a really good point there's a coat check at the rye so you know bundle up and it just be comfortable before and after the day um and you know getting back to the hotel is always tough after a show day anyways so you know just kind of bundle up and take your stuff with you and and um and you'll be fine the cab lines can be hellacious after the show um and uber lines can can be just as long as well because there's just so many people trying to come and go so you can be outside for an hour and a half waiting to get a car 
Um, uh, we probably should have mentioned that earlier in the show, but oh, that's, uh, yeah. Mm. yeah. Still, still planning <laughs> on going now. <laughs> <laughs> Be prepared. Be prepared. That's, that's the thing. That's why a lot of people ride their bikes, but, um, but the temperatures this year are running really mild. Um, so I just expect maybe also a little bit of moisture too. So if you've got a, you've got a raincoat or, you know, just a, a top layer, layers are good. So I've got a, a couple of things to thank you both for. So first of all, thank you for being here and for spending time to be here. Uh, thank you for helping me create uh, a lot of audio today that I don't feel I have to edit whatsoever. And that's not sarcasm. Uh, it's nice having podcasters on, isn't it? It is. It's really nice. Uh, <laughs> and, then, and then thirdly, thank you both for being, you know, really awesome, approachable uh, people in the AV Tweets community who, you know, I mean, the type of people that you really want to catch at such a large show like this. So again, thank you both very much. And I can't wait to see you at the show. Uh, Thanks, Adam. Can't wait to see you guys too.